doing? I'm gonna admit something to you. Up front, right out the gate. We're friends, right? Okay, here goes. In the world of makeup, yes, the 450 billion with a B industry of makeup, I, your faithful host, Megan Keeney Anderson, know nothing. I mean, I know enough to get out the door in the morning, but not nearly enough to be dangerous. So when I heard I was going to be talking with Allie Weiss, cue the name slate. I am Allie Weiss, SVP of Marketing at Glossier. I knew I needed to brush up on a few things, but I had no clue where to even begin. So I headed over to Sophia Bernazani's place. She's the team lead for our sales and service blog. And not only is Sophia one of my absolute favorite writers, she's also an admitted Glossier super fan. Those are the important ones. These are like the <laughs> less important ones, but this one's actually breaking, which is probably a sign that I need to grab our Glossier. Glossier launched back in 2014, and its products are a result of the insanely popular beauty blog that was founded four years earlier. That blog, of course, was, and still is, Into the Gloss. I mean, I love, I really love Into the Gloss, but that's like one of my favorite things to read every day. Looking and over all of Sophia's various Glossier products strewn about the floor, they're all pretty individual. Don't get me wrong, they all share the same flares of Glossier pink here with white and silver accents there. Every design is clean, but they each sort of hold their own style within the Glossier framework. There's one product in particular that hooks Sophia in the first place. This is Boy Brow. To me, it's kind of a holy grail. Like, it's cruelty-free and vegan, and it works really effectively. And I bought the first thing, and then I have not stopped. <laughs> if you know anything about Glossier, then you know Boy Brow. Reviews call it the holy grail of brow products. And it's not only Sophia's favorite Glossier product. I have never been able to live without Boy Brow. I wear it every single day, and really? I had a moment where I couldn't find mine. It had fallen out of my makeup bag into a larger bag, and despite working at Glossier, I didn't have an extra one in my drawer and I was leaving on a trip, so I had no way of getting one. And I was digging through all my bags and found it in the bottom corner of one and was so relieved. But I found I find myself individually so dependent on that product. It's part of what makes me feel good every day when I put it on. It's got boost, hold, basically everything you need. And it's inspiration? Male mustache wax, actually. A dash of the old timey. But this story isn't just one long plug for boy brow. It's how Glossier, with this kind of product, essentially upended the entire beauty industry. And how the future of Glossier is going to be built with one thing. No, not more boy brow. It's customers. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and this is The Gross Show. To talk about Glossier, we first need to go back, way back. Back before Into the Gloss, to a time when Lucy was on TV, and Sears was, well, still a company. Sears for America Shop. Every woman wore a hoop skirt, and every man a hat. It might look nice in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but the reality is much different. It has been the customer experience that's been fueled by top-down advertising, making women feel not confident and not like experts. Buying makeup or any type of beauty products, you really only had two options. And yeah, neither was great. Before today's digital age, the way that brands could talk to customers was twofold. One was through advertising, and those platforms were limited, and it was always a brand-to-customer conversation, not necessarily a customer-to-customer -customer conversation. And secondarily, it was channel. So 
a huge innovation in the beauty space beyond that advertising was going through department stores and creating the experience of the beauty counter in which there was a quote unquote deemed expert at that counter telling you what you should do and how you should feel. So the combination of both advertising media and the department store experience was brand to consumer communication. There was this plague on the house of beauty. And even though we just took the mental DeLorean back to the 50s and 60s, not much has changed. It was true then, and quite frankly, even today, customers lacked the communication they craved. They just wanted to see and hear and listen to other customers. And Into the Gloss knew it. And that's really where the magic of Glossier was created uh, from the beginning, even with Into the Gloss. Getting these insights into the frustrations people were feeling towards their personal beauty routines took a little rooting around. We were going through medicine cabinets and makeup bags with thousands of women around the world. A very common theme was that no one felt like an expert. No one felt like they had ownership over their routine. And I think that's very true today. And in founding both Into the Gloss and Glossier, we've set out to change that and really tip the industry on its head where it's customer first, uh, positioning the customer as the expert and not just positioning her. She actually is the expert and can take ownership of her routine and take in and edit her own information in order to interact with, buy, and use products in a way that feels right to her versus top-down advertising of a way that you should feel or you should look because that's going to make you to be perceived to be more confident, more beautiful, more successful. Today, we're two clicks and a thank you for more access to beauty routines than we could ever possibly fathom. Between Instagram, YouTube, and blogs, everything we could ever want to learn about beauty is right there. Behind a screen, but right there. Not even a decade ago, when Into the Gloss was founded, well... Into the Gloss, when it launched, was one of its kind. It was the first digital-only editorial platform dedicated to beauty routines. With the success of Into the Gloss, the company used their customers' insights and set out to make the products that people wanted. But hey, slight hitch. Branding. Logically, it made the most sense to take the Into the Gloss brand, slap that sticker on its products, and ride that recognition into the sunset. Right? Luckily, and obviously, that's not what Glossier did. It wasn't about launching commerce through an editorial platform. We launched a separate commerce experience, a separate commerce brand, and a separate community experience that was additive and incremental to what we had already built through editorial and into the gloss. And I think that was really important to preventing some of the challenges that we may have encountered should we have decided to create commerce within the editorial platform. I also think, and uh, you know, sometimes things are chance, sometimes things are intuition. I think that looking back on it, that was an excellent decision to make. And we could write this off as bon chance, a fit of good luck, but that wasn't the case. This decision might seem trivial at this point in the story. I get that. But the branding behind Glossier was really an early sign of just how much power the company gave its customers. By separating the two brands, it allowed the company to do something so simple so obvious that every beauty brand before it repeatedly failed to do. Be honest. So simple. We still to this day talk about 
hundreds, thousands of other beauty brands, thousands of other products and share real honest opinions about them, which is additive to the Glossier brand that we've created. And also we've taken learnings from that to how the Glossier brand is expressed. If you scroll through our Instagram feed, we feature other brands' products next to Glossier because that's the reality of today's consumer. And always, and brands weren't acknowledging it before, they mix and match brands to suit their own beauty personal style. The company had the platform with Into the Gloss and the products with Glossier. But how did they turn readers into superfans like Sophia, the kind that any other brand would be crazy not to envy? I really believe that it has to do with listening. And a lot of people ask us the question, how do you make people feel like they're listened to? And the key word that's wrong in that question is the word feel, because we actually listen. And there's a lot of tools and software and philosophies and data analysis around quote unquote listening today, but that isn't real listening. And I think that there is an element and there's a question and a challenge that we're going to encounter soon as we continue to grow with asking ourselves, how does that scale? But we are humans, people that are listening every day across all channels and we meet the consumer where they are, whether or not they ask us me personally a question in a direct message or they email our G team editors, who is our customer experience team, or they write a comment on Into the Gloss, we meet them where they are. And it's not only about listening to them, but participating in a conversation with them and enabling them to feel like they can participate in a conversation with the rest of the community. So the word listen is overused today because people can have conversations out in the open all the time due to social media platforms and the internet. However, I think we have thought very carefully about what it means to truly listen and to engage in a two-way conversation. Glossier refers to itself as people-powered, the entire brand driven by its customers. Great messaging, but what does that mean? It's something I talk about all the time, so let me give a couple of, of tangible examples. The first thing is that the customers are North Star. So in making any decision or having any conversation, the first thing that we go to is what's the question she will ask? What's the comment she will make? How will she feel? That's the first filter for anything, whether or not that's a decision on our packaging or that's a decision on something we're going to post on social media or that's the selecting the photos that are going to be on the product page of our website. It's always her and her being our true north of is this is this right for Glossier? It's, is it right for the customer? So that's that's the number one thing. And then the number two thing is it being people-powered is not because we have 170 employees at Glossier HQ. It's the fact that we have millions of followers on social media and so many customers who are part of this ecosystem that enables conversation around beauty and enables a discussion that has never really been able to be had before, facilitated by a brand. You see, for Glossier to get there, floated by hundreds of thousands of passionate fans, it's important that it started as a digital-first company. Quite frankly, if I said the only reason that our marketing has resonated with the audience that it has is because we're listening, we do do focus groups and we do do surveys and we glean customer insights and we work on segmentations and think about how we want to grow our customer base. But I think what's really important is dimensionalizing that with real-time consumer input and the magic of being digital first and having been founded on the internet and as an e-commerce company is we get that real-time feedback. And that's not only because of digital, it's about channel. So the second that you are in a department store, you don't get that real-time feedback. 
Think of a tangible example. You walk into a Sephora, you buy a mascara, you take it home, you don't like it. You take two weeks to walk back, you return that mascara, you return it with someone different uh, who doesn't know when you bought it. Uh, The system could probably tell you when you bought it and you give verbal feedback that's not captured about why you didn't like that product. How on earth is that going to get back to the product developer? The way that we, the channel in which we operate, all of that gets back to our product development team, which is a pretty incredible shift and really is flipping the industry on its head in terms of connection to the consumer. So when Glossier greased some gears and started producing products like Boybrow, they were constantly being led by their customers. And that's how we make all of our decisions is because we're optimizing for the best customer experience that is so different from what the beauty industry has driven for decades. So what's the value of direct-to-consumer for Glossier's customers? What does Ali see as the future of retail? And how do I confront more than just one of my own personal fears? All that and more coming up after this wee quick break. Imagine you're on your daily commute. You're listening to marketing, sales, and customer success best practices, likely on a podcast just like this one. Imagine getting to know these insanely smart guests personally, beyond their roles, beyond their companies, and leave each episode knowing that no matter what, you'll have one challenge to work on each and every day. That means walking into your office 1% smarter with new and exciting ideas daily. Doesn't sound half bad, right? Well, you're in for a treat. That's what Sangram Vajray's Daily Flip My Funnel podcast is all about. Join the movement and subscribe to the Flip My Funnel podcast on your favorite app now. Okay, back to the show. So walk me through it. I go up. Yeah, so you brush your brows up. So that I'm back at Sophia's. We're sitting on the concrete floor. We're trying on some different Glossier products. My brows have been known to get wild. Okay, first fear. Let's dive on into that deep end. I haven't found a beauty routine for myself just yet. And attempting to put on boy brow has me feeling a bit nervous. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I should, but I don't. It's basically the opposite of what I'm supposed to feel using Glossier. The whole right side of my face is better now. They just make them look but as soon as it's on, you know, the, the pump, the zhuzh, I gotta say, I do I feel a bit more confident looking in the mirror. Okay, what else we got in here? It's skin tint. This is something that I learned about as a makeup technique from Kim Kardashian, like, very recently. If not for Instagram, YouTube, or blogs, you likely heard about Glossier the same way I did. Word of mouth. Which takes me to my second fear. I'm a marketer there's a good chance you might be as well. If not, you're selling something and that takes convincing. Convincing takes marketing. We good to continue? So hearing the words word of mouth from Allie shakes down my bones. There's nothing scarier than hearing that word of mouth is what's driving your business. Because you can't control that like you can with advertising or other direct-to-consumer channels. But Allie? No, I'm smiling. (sighs) Okay, the only way out is through. Allie is your shaman. Face this fear. I think that there is so much power in giving the ownership back in the consumer's hand, the ownership of brand perception, the ownership of messaging, and the ownership of opinion, because that's what makes people feel empowered and feel like a participant. And in today's day and age, people have so many ways of participating in what's going on in their lives, in their world, in the communities, that I believe brands need to start taking that lens of participation and not necessarily a dictatorial approach or an authoritative approach. It's really how do you facilitate 
conversation among people that makes them feel like they have a deeper understanding of the shared experience that they're participating in. And for us as a brand, that shared experience does come down to the fact that our brand is built on physical products. So the place where we have the most control is the physical product and the other elements that we put in the world that create or prompt those conversations. So that's everything from the thoughtfulness and the particularity that we dedicate to the development of each particular physical product to the content that we do have control over. So our social media, our storytelling, the content on our website that people can then, yes, they can screenshot that and post that on their own channel. They can write a review on another website about our physical product, but we have a lot of control over what we put in the world and we do not want to control people's opinions and or perception of that beyond what we make and create ourselves. And Allie thinks what marketers end up fearing comes from the measurement side of the house. It's not that marketers are wrong to measure growth. We make an entire show about it. Hello, I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and this is The Growth Show. No, 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 no. What marketers get wrong is this notion of grow at all costs, because what they soon find out is not long after that type of growth, those trophies become anchors and you're in so deep that you lose sight of the surface. I also would say that measurement is incredibly important and an input, but also instinct around human behavior and assumptions around what's right to drive authentic human behavior are a really important element that sometimes get forgotten in an extremely analytical, technology-driven world. I think growth and engagement don't necessarily have the same results. So if you look at some companies that started around the same time as Glossier, they actually might have a much larger social following than we do today. But the engagement rate that we see from our audiences is two times the beauty industry average if you just look at the beauty industry. And so what we've really been focused on is growth of an engaged audience, not just growth of the number of eyeballs or ears that are on us. And so... I think the most important thing is how do we listen to what people like to hear? What do they like to see? And how do they express that by engaging with us? And I think that's really important because at the end of the day, going back to the fact that things are people-powered, if you have a smaller, more engaged audience, that means more of those people are likely to share your story. So while you can't track that completely, someone who takes an extra moment to either like your photo, or have a conversation with one of our G-team editors, or write a comment, or ask a question of one of our Into the Gloss editors, that is a much more substantial and deep experience with the brand. And therefore, I assume as a marketer, and while I can't prove this out completely, that that makes you more likely to share that experience with someone else versus uh, passive participation, which takes a fleeting moment and not a lot of emotional engagement. Allie looks at engagement like a ladder. The ladder itself represents time. So at the bottom of the ladder is minutes. Next rung up is hours. Keep climbing and you reach days, weeks, months, years. And we think about the different things, so either like products or experiences that we create and how they sit on that ladder. Glossier measures engagement based on the amount of time customers spend with each of their products. And products might include boy brow, but it's also a bit more loose of a term. Let's start at the bottom of the ladder. Hourly, daily maybe even weekly. 
media content. So if you follow us on Instagram or you get an email, you are taking that in on a pretty frequent basis. And then monthly, you're purchasing a product. Um, Daily, also, you're using our products if you have something in your routine. So those are the reminders of the brand that come more frequently. And at the top of the ladder, our brick and mortar locations sit at the very top of our ladder. Recently, Glossier expanded its direct-to-consumer model into retail stores. But just like blog posts on Into the Gloss or video tutorials for Boybrow, it's this engagement ladder that continues to guide Glossier's measurement. The expectation for the retail stores is something customers will experience annually. Once. One time. If at all. So yes, there are people in New York and LA that are in our customer base that will go more frequently than annually to these stores. But the truth of the matter is the vast majority of our customer base will have the chance to visit those stores maybe annually, if ever. And so what we want those experiences to be are the pinnacle of the Glossier brand. This almost goes against every notion about successful brick and borders. That's a really important differentiation where our stores aren't built today for foot traffic. They're built for experience that you thoughtfully and intentionally put on your calendar to go to. Our store in New York is six floors up. You have to take an elevator. It's actually where our old office used to be. And it's a big commitment to go there. It's not, you don't just walk by in Soho. You have to wait in line and go up an elevator and really commit to it. Like their products, Glossier's retail stores are designed according to their engagement ladder. For almost any other brand, foot traffic is what gets measured, but not for Glossier. That has been our approach so far, and I think is a really important differentiation to some of the ways other direct-to-consumer brands have expanded their retail. And that takes us to today. All caught up. Really hopped on the brakes there for a bit. Could say it was pretty important. Might even say it was the whole point of the story. But let's drop the hammer and look ahead. The future. So much of Glossier's story was being built for this moment, for the beauty world of today. But Ali sees the future of retail and the beauty industry as a whole broken out into two inevitables. I think that winners will emerge when there are particular brands who can figure out how to leverage technology for one of two things, and these two things end up sitting on either side of the spectrum. The first one is algorithm and scale. So non-personalized, high convenience, low price experiences. Amazon. And then on the other end of the spectrum, winners will emerge who can leverage technology to build and maintain relationships at scale. The brands that value consumer experience, the brands that value authenticity, the brands that value substance behind product, behind transaction. So on that end of the spectrum, it's really centered on experience and relationships and leveraging the element of humanity that still craves connection and craves emotion. And this is where Glossier sees itself existing in the future. They'll never compete with the likes of Amazon. And why would they want to? It goes against everything the customer wants in beauty products. Of course, consumers will pick and choose what products and categories they want that experience with versus which product and categories they want the algorithm, the convenience, the low price with. And I firmly believe, and of course I'm biased, but I firmly believe beauty is on the emotional end of the spectrum where people want community engagement emotion. For Glossier, it's always been and will continue to always be 
about relationships. I believe that there's a world that will and can exist, which is very similar to the world that existed before the digital age, where you have massive retailers, multi-brand retailers, and that used to be the department store, still is the department store. But there's room and desire in a consumer's heart and soul, for lack of a better word, for branded experiences, experiences that make them feel human, experiences that make them feel whole. And I think that's really important to know that there is a world that can coexist. And I believe that the side of that spectrum that's committed to brand and brand experience can offer the consumer experience they never knew they needed or wanted, leveraging digital tools to build and maintain direct-to-consumer relationships. I think about community a lot, ones that start online and continue to grow in person, and how products, even ones as small as a stick of boy brow, can really bring people together and empower them to feel more confident, more successful in their day-to-days. Glossier found success by listening to their customers, taking their insights, and genuinely valuing them. And as they continued to grow, they never lost sight of engaging their community. It's human nature to want to feel part of something, to feel heard. That's never going away. So take it from Allie. Listen to your customers and feel fucking fierce doing it. The brand only exists because the people are here with us. Today's episode was written and produced by Matthew Brown. And thanks to Sophia Bernazzani for opening up her home and her makeup bag to us. Today's episode also included music from Synchronize. If you have a favorite Glossier product you think I should check out, please help me. Or if you just want to say hello, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Gross Show. And subscribe to the show on whatever it is you're listening to me say these words to you on right now. Yep, go ahead, take your phone back out, We're wrapping up now anyways, and hit that there subscribe button. Thanks. You're my favorite. As always, I'm Megan Keeney-Anderson, and thanks for listening.